Blog Talk Radio.
imagine starting your day not just with a cup of coffee or a quick glance at your phone, but with a powerful assurance that today can be extraordinary. Picture yourselves stepping into each moment, fueled not just by your plans and efforts, but by a divine promise of guidance and blessing. If you believe that God can make a difference in your life today, let us stand together in faith. I will pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. My friends, in the quiet moments of our mornings lies a precious opportunity to shape the hours ahead with hope, grace, and intention. It is in these serene early moments that we find our hearts most open to the whispers of God and where our souls are most receptive to his guiding hand. Let us reflect on the words from Psalm 118 verse 24, which says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This verse isn't just a statement. It's an invitation to align our hearts with a spirit of gratitude and joy. It reminds us that each day is a divine gift, intricately woven with possibilities and opportunities for us to discover and embrace. As we pray for a good day, we are not merely asking for favorable circumstances. We are also seeking to tune in our hearts to the beauty and blessings that each day holds. When we approach our day with prayer, we are not just hoping for the best. We are placing our trust in the one who holds all our days in his hands. We acknowledge that our own strength is limited, but in God, we find an unlimited source of strength, wisdom, and peace. Therefore, our prayer becomes a powerful testament to our faith a declaration that we choose to rely on God's promises and his unfailing love to guide us through the day. As we face the unknowns of the day with courage, we ask not just for the absence of trouble, but for the presence of God's peace that surpasses all understanding. This peace becomes our steady companion, guiding our thoughts, words, and actions turning ordinary moments into extraordinary encounters with God's grace. As we seek God for a good day, we seek to align our will with God's will. It is in this sacred exchange that we find the essence of a truly good day, one that is not measured merely by worldly successes, but also by how closely we walk with the Lord. It's about seeing his hand in every detail, feeling his presence in every challenge and hearing his voice in the quiet whispers of our hearts. So, my friends, let us come together in prayer, not only wishing for a better day, but as a powerful act of faith and surrender. Let us pray with hearts, full of hope, trusting that God is with us, guiding our steps and turning every day into a testament of his love and faithfulness. Today, as we seek a good day, let's remember 
that it begins here, in this moment of prayer, where heaven touches earth and your heart finds true joy in the Lord's embrace. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. You may also listen to this prayer daily as you build your faith and come in agreement. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Heavenly Father, Creator of the heavens and earth, I come before you with a heart full of praise and thanksgiving. Your majesty and glory are beyond comprehension, and your love for us is unending. I exalt your holy name and acknowledge your sovereignty over all things. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and in your presence I find true peace and fulfillment. Lord, I thank you for this new day, a precious gift from your generous hands. I am grateful for the breath in my lungs, the strength in my body, and the opportunities that lie ahead. Your mercies are new every morning, and your faithfulness is as boundless as the sky. For the love and grace that you have given to me and my loved ones, I am eternally thankful. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth and in my life, as it is in heaven. As I stand in your presence, I ask for forgiveness of my sins, both known and unknown. Cleanse my heart, O Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. I also forgive those who have wronged me, releasing any bitterness or resentment, for in forgiveness I find freedom. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare victory over my day. I seek your guidance and wisdom in every decision I make. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Enlighten my mind with your divine insight and help me discern your will in all things. In every conversation, every interaction, in every choice, let your wisdom be my guide. Lord, I ask for your strength and courage. In moments of weakness, be my fortress. When I face trials and tribulations, be my rock. Let your courage fill my heart, enabling me to overcome obstacles and stand firm against the winds of adversity. I'm grateful that in your strength I can achieve all things. For with you all things are possible. I pray for your peace to surround me today. Let it guard my heart and mind. In the midst of chaos, let your peace reign. Let it be a beacon of hope to those around me, a testament to your calming presence in my life. Protect me, Lord, from all harm. Be my shield and defender against the schemes of the enemy. Keep me and my loved ones safe under the shadow of your wings. Deliver us from all evil and lead us away from temptation. Protect us 
in our going out and our coming in, today and forevermore. I pray for health and well-being, not just for myself, but also for my loved ones. Heal us from every sickness and disease. Mend what is broken within us and revive what has grown weary. I thank you, Lord, that you are the great physician, the healer of all our ailments, and in your hands there is restoration and peace. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, and I claim that promise over our lives today. I pray for deliverance from the spirits of fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and discouragement, and ask for your powerful intervention to break these chains and set me free in the name of Jesus. Lord, prosper the work of my hands. Open doors of opportunity and bless my goals and aspirations. May your abundance flow in my life and let me be a blessing to others. In your loving kindness, I ask that you meet my needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Lord, fill me with your love and compassion. Let me be a vessel of your grace, showing kindness and understanding to everyone I encounter. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke all forms of attacks by the enemy. I declare that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I bind the spirit of delay, disappointment, and stagnation in the name of Jesus. I rebuke bonds of oppression and any plans of the enemy to derail your purpose for my life. Lord, as I say this prayer together with everyone listening, I am grateful for every heart that is humbled before you right now. As we come in agreement, praying for each other, let your Holy Spirit move among us, touching every life, healing every wound, and fulfilling every need. In your infinite grace, we ask that you align your blessings to meet us right where we are. May your favor be upon us. May your protection surround us, and may your peace dwell within us. We declare that everything is working for us and not against us. Deliver us from all accidents and negative incidents. We are grateful that your goodness and mercies shall follow us all the days of our lives. Gracious Lord, we pray that you will help us to have a good day today. We claim victory over our challenges, declare healing over our bodies, and we thank you for your unwavering protection. As this day ends, we return with hearts full of thankfulness for every lesson learned, for every blessing received. We give you glory. Lord, may your Holy Spirit guide us, comfort us, and empower us in all our ways. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering my prayer. 
In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray, amen. If you were blessed by this prayer, type the word amen in the comments section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you in the name of Jesus. You can help us to reach more persons. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting in my
I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, for your word. It's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I thank you, Lord, for the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit that gives us new hearts, Lord, so that we can stretch out beyond our limitations and be ambassadors of you and your word to all who can still hear. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing of your spirit. I thank you for courage and compassion today, God, to speak things that need to be spoken in this generation. Help us, Lord, as a church, never to back away from truth. Help us to go forward and let it fall where it may. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. The wolf is at the door. Isaiah chapter 53 prophet Isaiah says these words who has believed our report beginning at verse 1 and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant as a root out of dry ground he has no form or comeliness and when we see him there is no beauty that we should desire him he's despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, it's, it's so important before we even begin to look at this passage of Scripture to understand that it was a religious system that crucified Christ. You know, we understand that the Roman authorities were the instruments of his death, but it was the religious order of the day created by God's own people that put the Son of God on a cross. There were leaders in that generation, and they had, they had used their position over the people to garner titles for themselves. They had adorned themselves in 
righteous robes as they saw it. And they, they loved to parade among the people, as Jesus said, and be called master, teacher, teacher, teacher in the marketplace. But Jesus himself came in a form that he did not take on this form of grandeur that men give to themselves. And also, too, they created a system of salvation that was much wider and much more inclusive than the one that God had given to us. As a matter of fact, it was so narrow that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. They were so offended when he challenged their religious system because they had, they had created this wide door into eternal life and eternal bliss with God that doesn't exist. All kinds of people were coming into the temple defiled and going out defiled. They were living in manners and ways that the Bible clearly indicated would leave them excluded from the kingdom of God forever. And so in comes this man. He's not interested in their system. He's not trying to garner one of their titles. He's not doing things their way. The Bible says there was no beauty in him that we should desire him. He's not dressed in righteous robes. He's, he's not got boxes on his forehead. He's not walking around with tassels on his arms. He's not parading like some rooster before the people. Talking about how close to God he actually is. They despised him and rejected him because he challenged the religious system. They had created a system of redemption that did not exist. Do you understand? And that's the propensity of humankind. The original sin in the Garden of Eden is that we can be as God is. Remember, we can, we can become judges of what's good and what's evil. And if you take that to its logical extension, we can start declaring things that are, that are God forgives when he doesn't. We can start declaring behaviors righteous when they're not. We can start telling people they're going to heaven when they aren't. That is the grave, grave danger of religion. When humankind in its sin nature is allowed to take it and so twist it and so pervert it that it becomes something that God never intended it to be. Can you imagine sitting in a place as a professed or supposed believer in Christ only to end up at the throne of God one day to find out you've been outside the whole thing all along? What a tragedy that's going to be for so many. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. There was a, a heaviness in the heart of the Son of God as he looked on the people as sheep without a shepherd. But we hid our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. And we are, of course, reliving the scripture again in great measure in our day. In many, many places, even where God's people are gathering, the word of God is despised. And we are now gravitating to fancy preachers who have opened the door real wide to people who are not going to heaven, giving them false peace when they're not at peace with God. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old things are what? Passed away. And behold, all things are become new. If, if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, that means a new value system. It means a new heart. It means a new mind. It means a new way of speaking, thinking, living. It means that what God says is good is good, and what God says is evil is evil. We don't try to change that. We accept that from the Word of God. Now, this message is given to shepherds to bring us 
not only to the knowledge of our salvation, but to the freedom which Christ bought for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And by his beating, as it is, that he took on the cross, we are healed. The old things don't have power over us anymore unless we choose to let them. The old ways of living, speaking, thinking, doing are broken. And we become new creations in Christ. We are able to look back and say, thank God I'm not what I used to be. I'm not everything that I hoped to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. And thank God I'm going to be one day what Christ is calling me to be. So there's this constant moving forward in the life of a genuine believer. Leaving an old way of thinking, an old way of living, an old way of speaking and moving to truth, even when it's painful. The book of Proverbs says a righteous person swears to their own hurt and doesn't change. In other words, I say I'm going to do this and I do it because God's word says I should, even if it causes me pain. And I don't turn from it. Now, Paul was this kind of a shepherd. He He didn't hold back, as I said earlier. This is what he said in Acts chapter 20, verses 26 to 31. He said, therefore, I testify to you this day, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. In other words, and this is the cry of my heart. If anyone here today, hearing my voice, ends up in hell, let it not be my fault. Let it never be because I didn't declare to you the whole counsel of God, or I didn't warn you of something that had the power to drag you down into eternal darkness. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul says, for this I know, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, he said, day and night with tears. Paul said there's going to be wolves that are going to come and they're all already, there's packs of them now. It's not just a few, there's many now in our generation. And they're going to come to devour this sacrifice of Christ and the promise of new life. Through him. They're going to promise you liberty, as the scripture says in the New Testament, but they themselves are the slaves to corruption. They're promising something they, they're not experiencing themselves and they can't deliver it. Listen to what Jude says, the last book of the New Testament before the book of the Revelation. Verse 3 says, Behold, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities round about them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality 
and gone after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Here's what the wolves do. They teach that you can live a lifestyle against the word of God and still claim heaven as your eternal home. That is the wolf that's now at the door of the Christian church in America. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, that means people who engage in sexual intercourse outside of the bonds of marriage between one man and one woman. Fornicators are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Settle it. It's in the word of God. Don't be deceived into thinking you can live in a moral lifestyle and heaven will still be your home. So hard for this generation to hear when you've got preachers standing in pulpits saying, well, God understands your need and God is a God of love and God won't send anybody to hell. No, that's not true. God is a God of love. We know that. But the Bible tells us that fornicators have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Nor idolaters, people who have other loves in there. Something that is in your life that, that is, is, is your whole obsession. Churches or Christ is just a little part of your life, but there's something else in your life that you're pursuing. Nor adulterers, people who engage, who are married but engage in... You know, today we take words like adultery and we call it an extramarital affair, as if it's a black tie event. You know, you are invited to an extramarital affair next Friday at 5 o'clock. Bible calls it adultery. Adultery. Settle it. Deal with it. The sex outside of marriage will keep you outside of the kingdom of God. And sex outside of the bonds of the person that you are married to, the, white, the man or woman you're married to, will also keep you outside of the kingdom of God, unless it's repented of. Nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. In other words, that's both, men and women. Folks, listen. I understand the dilemma, in a sense, uh, that some might face in same-sex attraction. But I'm telling you, you can't give in to that lifestyle on any level. Because the Bible clearly says it will leave you outside the kingdom of God. Jesus himself said some people are eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven. In other words, some people just live their lives without any sexual activity for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And he said whoever can hear this, let them hear it. You know, you can, you go to a funeral, for example. And you can dress it up with flowers all around, and you can, there's a death certificate. And the preacher can get up and say nice words. But the reality is that the corpse is still dead. You can't make it live. It doesn't matter what you do. But it's the same with homosexual marriage, folks. I've got to say it straight out today. I'm not going to hold back on it. You can adorn it with flowers. You can get a certificate from City Hall. You, you can find some backslidden preacher to say nice words about it. But the wages of sin is still death. You can't change that. Now listen. 
I'll be called a hater for, for this message today. I understand that. But I'm not a hater. If I hated you, I'd let you go to hell. If I hated you, I'd let you die in your sin. If I walk down the street and your house is on fire and you're up in your bedroom window and I don't warn you, am I really a good neighbor? Do I really love you? Do I really care about your eternal destiny? You can curse me out of your bedroom window all you want, but I will still warn you that your house is on fire for your soul's sake. Nor thieves, lest we should think that we're just going to focus on one thing. Nor thieves, that means people who steal. It's that simple. People who steal, people who steal little, they have a contract maybe and steal a little bit more than they should. Income tax time is coming around, folks. Are you going to pay your taxes? <laughs> nor covetous, nor drunkards, people who come to church this morning, but you were out at a club last night. You're drinking and dancing, and, and this foolishness, I'm out there to share the testimony of Christ. Who are you kidding? <laughs> if you really are there to do that, stand on the sidewalk with pamphlets in your hand and give it to the drunks coming out of the club. You don't need to be in there with them. No revilers. You know, especially in, in this environment we're now living in, in this country at this time, where reviling has is is, is become the speech of the day, where it's, it's fashionable just to curse everybody around you. You know, Paul said, revilers don't inherit the kingdom of God. We have a different heart. We have a different spirit. We're, we're a different kind of people. Jesus himself said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. Nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I love that. Would be to God that I can honestly say that of everybody here today. Such were some of you. But you are sanctified. That means you are set apart for the kingdom of God. You are, you, 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 you honestly repented. You walked away. You moved away from what God's word says is wrong. You can't make it right. You can't change it. It doesn't matter if a million people say, oh, isn't this wonderful? If God's word says it's not, it's not. You are sanctified. You walked away. You walked away from these old ways of thinking, these old behaviors and all of these things. And you set yourself apart for the kingdom of God. You're justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Now, you and I are living in an hour where the wolf is heading to the door of the church, demanding in our generation that we bow down to this new definitions of good and evil. This is where we're living. The days of being able to say without penalty, what I'm saying today are, are over. If they're, not, if they're not over, they're very close to over. It's an amazing time that we're now living in. Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. This is the point. There's a lot of hirelings in a lot of pulpits in America today. 
And they're, they're, they don't necessarily leave the people, but they leave biblical truth. They flee the truth when the wolf is at the door. When the wolf says, if you don't bow down, this is our golden statue. This is what this generation is going to look like. This is what you'll preach. These are the truths that you will espouse. They will bow down when the music plays to save themselves because it's always been about themselves, not about the people. The hireling will flee. And you, will, you are seeing and you will see a huge departure from biblical truth in the Christian church in this last hour we're living in. The Bible declares that there's going to be an apostasy, a great falling away in the last days from biblical truth. And the hirelings will lead the people, not into the narrow way of eternal life, but into that broad way of destruction. And they flee because it's always done about them. It's been about the robes. It's been about the praises of man. It's been about the titles. It's been about the numbers. It's been about the apparent evidences of success. Then when Christ comes and challenges them, they hate him. His own system hated him. His own people hated him. They pushed him away because he declared their definitions of salvation and truth to be bankrupt. He told them they were full of dead men's bones. He said, you go cross land and sea to get one convert and you make him twice the child of hell that you've become. These are the words of Christ. He warned us in the last days there would be a great falling away. He warned us. He said, you're going to be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You can't escape that. That's a promise in the word of God. We're going to be hated. It's starting now. You're seeing it in society. You're seeing it in the workplace. You can't even have an opinion on things anymore in this generation that we're now living in. Let me say it clearly now. Abortion for the cause of birth control or, or so the people, I understand there are extenuating circumstances, so please don't misquote me on this. But for the cause of just birth control or for the cause of having sexual pleasure and not having to deal with the life that it can create is sin Amen. in the sight of a holy God. It's a terrible sin in the sight of a holy God. In America today, the deliberate gender confusing of our children in grade school is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our high schools, forbidding our children to pray and creating this fictitious division between the state and the church, which doesn't exist. If you really study it, you'll understand it never existed. It was created by the godless. Forbidding our children to pray in our schools is sin in the sight of a holy God. In our colleges, allowing godless professors to rise up and mock God and radicalize a whole generation against even their own nation that was founded by God for the purpose of being able to worship according to the word of God and freely by conscience is sin in the sight of a holy God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So let this society despise him. Let them consider him ordinary. 
Let them rebel against his words. But this day, as Joshua once said, if it be hard to follow the Lord, that's your choice. Choose this day. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. By the grace of God, we will not bow before the wolf in this generation. By the grace of God, we will stand for the truth of God. By the grace of God, we will pray again. We will pray again as a church age. By the grace of God, we will stand up unashamed for the truth of Jesus Christ. We stand on the side of victory. We stand on the side. We stand on the side of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, glory, glory. And as uh, David the king once did, We will stand in this generation against the lion and the bear and everything that comes in to devour our children and to devour the people of God. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up. It's time for the people of God to fight back. It's time for us to begin to pray. It's time to run for public office. It's time for teachers to speak. It's time. It's time for the people of God. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Glory, 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 glory. The true shepherds of God in this generation are going to care more for the people than for their own safety more than our own reputation. It's not going to be an easy road. But I don't know about you, but I'm not giving up this generation to darkness. I'm going to stand because the Word of God stands forever. The opinions of men are like grains of sand on the seashore. They'll fall into nowhere. But the Word of God abides forever. Now here's where I conclude. If you're living... In sin, I plead with you, while there's still time, turn. Turn from it. And trust God for the strength. I know there's some sitting here or listening online or they're in the annex and they say, you don't know how deep the bondage is. You don't know how powerful the draw is. No, I don't. But I know the Spirit of God is more powerful than all of that put together. And I know the promise of God is that we will have a new life, an eternal life. The days of living in Christian ease is over in America, folks. It's over. We're about to join our brothers and sisters in China and other places who are being persecuted for what they believe in Iran who are being jailed and put to death for believing in Christ. We've lived a very comfortable, very lazy Christianity in America, but those days are over. The wolf is now at the door. (laughs) 
Pray for those of us who lead in any capacity that God would give us courage. As I pray for you, that God would give you a cleanness of life and practice and heart and give you the courage to speak up in whatever environment you find yourself in. Our children are starving for truth in this generation and they're wide open. There's only a few Goliaths that claim that they have the power to keep us from being the people of God, but they don't. So I challenge you with all my heart, turn from sin, find that new life in Christ and rise up and be the person that God's called you to be. We're going to sing for just a few moments. We're going to worship. I guess my elder call is just twofold today. It's for people to say, oh God, help me please to turn from this thing in my life. I don't have to tell you what it is you already know. Help me to turn away from watching pornography. Help me to turn away from drink. Help me, God, to turn away from that flirtation in the office. Help me, God, help me, God, to stop railing. Get me off, get me out of the seat of the scornful and help me to walk with the righteous. Deliver me, God, from cowardice and put a love for people in my heart that casts out all fear. Give me a voice to call this generation back to you again. And God help me not to cower under the fear of the repercussions that will come all of our way. You know, I was in Washington and there's an ex-general there who really gives courage to my heart every time I meet him and talk with him. And essentially, what he would say if he was standing here is, you have to fight for a cause higher than your own preservation. If it's just about preserving yourself, you'll flee when the enemy comes. If it's about others, you'll stand. May God give us the courage in this generation to stand for those that don't have a voice for themselves, for our children, for the unborn, for our high school students, for our college students, for every mother, every father, every child in this country that needs to know there's a Savior who died for them. Give us the grace to be kind and compassionate to all, not judging anyone, we leave that to God, but reaching as far as we can reach into this mass of fallen humanity with this message of incredible grace that belongs to every person who turns to it through Jesus Christ. So Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you will today cause your kingdom to advance. You will give us the strength and courage that we now need as a people to stand against the onslaught of wickedness that wants to extinguish the testimony of your life and word. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for courage for your people as others throughout the world have had to have. God, deliver us, Lord, from this life of ease that so many of your people have known and bring us into the true fight for the souls of men. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. God, we yield our bodies today to this purpose. We thank you in Jesus' name.
So we're going to stand in a moment for those who just, you just know you have to turn from something. And for those who want to turn towards Christ, maybe you don't have a struggle that I'm talking about in your life, but you say, God, I'm stuck in neutral. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going back and I'm not going forward. But today you say, I want to make a difference. I want my life to count. I want my voice to have authority. If that's you, we're going to stand. I'm going to ask you to make your way here. We're going to pray together and believe God to answer our prayer. In the annex, you can make your way here. We'll wait for you in the campus churches. Step between the screens, if you will. We'll be back in just a moment. Radio, not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The wolf is at the door. I like to, at least once a week, sometime more often, remind us of what's going on. Remind us that if ever there was a time to share the good news of Jesus, now is that time. If we have loved ones that have not received him as their Lord and Savior, this is the time. They'll get sick of you. Sometimes they'll say ugly things to you to hurt your feelings because they don't know the importance of coming to the Lord in the fullness. They don't know the importance of turning their back on the world and keeping forward to Jesus. They don't know this. So many times they get upset. Every time I see you, you battering me. Yeah, but we keep right on. And sometimes what I learn to do, I don't, you know, put it to them. If they ask me something, they may say, oh, that truck still looks new. I say, yeah, God is faithful. Something like that, you know, and I keep going. The next time they may say, uh, when your birthday, Barbara? I say, February. I say, oh, in a few days. I say, yeah, in a few days. I said, in a I pray that it, you know that the Lord see me, let me see the twenty seventh that day, you know, and this put some stuff on their mind, you know. At that moment, they hear me and they looking, but they remember God only for the moment, and we never know what turns in them. But I know His word won't return void, so we keep, you know, slipping little <laughs> uh, little pieces of his word to him, you know. Not fussing, don't don't argue with nobody, don't debate with nobody, just leave it alone. Say what you're going to say, be done. Yeah, because God knows, and unless he draw them, they can't come anyway. I don't care what we do. We can do backflips on top of the highest building. It won't matter. He must draw them, and if he draw them, then they can come. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I give honor to God this day for all he has done, what he's doing right now, and what he's going to do. Great and mighty things for us. Yeah, he blessed me yesterday, the day before, and he's blessing me right now. And uh, I've kind of been in uh, a mood just to cook a little bit, not much, just a little bit. So I was able to make uh, chicken and rice and broccoli yesterday. I thought that was a big deal because I don't do a whole lot of cooking like I used to. But I thank God that I was able to be in the mood to cook a little something. Yeah. 
and uh, God is safer to to meet loaf out and uh, let it thaw it out so today I can have meatloaf and a salad. Yeah, yeah. And so God is good. God is good. And so we thank him. We thank him. We thank him. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. We thank you today. We can't thank you enough. I'm grateful unto Almighty God. You know, listen, God speaks out your mouth. And uh, he told you what to tell somebody. And what he said, it come to pass. What he spoke in their life, it come to pass. And you get to see it often on Facebook, what he spoke. Because, see, God hears our prayers, and he knows the very intent of our hearts. And so he saw these two people, this married couple, he saw the desires of their heart, and guess what? It lined up with his word. He was the one who said, be fruitful and multiply. They wanted a child. And I'm sure, you know, the dad wanted a son. You know that. <laughs> he wanted somebody who could go to the ball game with him, somebody he could, you know, fish with, somebody who could hang out with him, another man in the truck, you know. And so God blessed them with a son. Yeah, he spoke it out my mouth. And the next thing I know, uh, the sister was calling me to tell me, oh, yeah, they pregnant, girl. Next thing I know, she delivered the baby. And uh, I went to, a store, to the store one day, and they were there. And she said, Barbara, I said, what? She said, that's the baby right there. I said, what? So you know I was all excited, went over to see the baby, and the Lord blessed me to see this little boy grow up. I'm seeing him grow into a man. God spoke that out of my mouth to the mom and the dad before he was born, before he was conceived. Now, y'all got to know that kind of stuff excites. I see others on Facebook that God spoke. He spoke things, and it came to existence. I'm like, uh, 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 yeah, God spoke that look. Yeah, so it reminds us of this. He know us. He know where we are, I promise. He know what we're going through. But sometimes we have to give up all of that. Give up what we're thinking. Give up what we're striving and struggling. Let, let it go. Give it to God. Put it on the altar and walk away. Find happier places to be. In your mind. Find happier places to be in your mind. Look, I was going through with my children. And I'm telling you, they were something serious. But I had to let it go. I put it on the altar. I don't, now, I know mothers know about mothering. And when you love your children, there has been some mistakes made. And then it come to the point where God got involved because he knew the very intent of your children's heart. He knew the intent of yours, so he brought separation. Nothing I could do about it. But I learned to trust him. So when you love your children and it appears they don't love you back, it appears they have forgotten. Yeah, y'all was close at one time, this and that, 
you yet have to put that thing on the altar and walk away. Let God have it. He'll fix it. But if you're going to hold on to it, he can't fix it. Oh, we're going to miss some. We might shed some tears over them. You know, uh, we may be deeply hurt, but turn it a loose. Anybody who is not bringing encouragement, inspiration, the things of God to your mind and to you, let it go. Let it go. Stand firm on the word. I don't care what happens. Stand on the word of God. Because what he sent his word out to do, it will deliver. And deliver back to you. How about that? <laughs> he spoke it for us. He had him to write it for us. So if we obey it, it's going to work for us. It's going to bring that negative thing all the way over into positive because he's got the power. Some things we go through is trials. And our trials don't come to punish. It come to make us strong. I've gone through some trials. And, and the strangest thing, I never thought it was to punish me. You know, that's weird. I never thought that. I knew that in the midst of this, I got to stand on the word. In the midst of this, I got to trust God. So I turned that off and go to focus on focusing in the area where I can be a help to somebody. And when I know anything, he done fixed this thing for me and strengthened me. When I pray for patience, I ask God to strengthen me while I go through the trial to get patience. I'm praying that God will give me uh, some things today. And, Lord, strengthen me as you've given this to me. And it's already all right. Yeah. But we have to learn to let go. Now, this is if we can trust God, and this is if we're walking by faith and not by sight. Yeah. Because if we keep twirling it in our mind, we keep. Worrying about it, da da da. God done spoke already. Maybe you didn't hear him, but he has already spoken concerning your situation. And the outcome is good. Oh, yeah, in Jesus' name. So, listen, today we're going to take a listen to uh, Evangelist Carter uh, Colon. And his message is the last of the last days. And so we want to take a listen to this. We may have heard this before, but I would like for us together to listen to it again. Yeah. So we're going to do this, and then when we come back, we'll come back with a song, and the studio will be open. So wonderful for Pastor Teresa and I to be here with you today as, as your pastor, Pastor Tim Delina, and his wife Cindy and the children are experiencing a, a time of rest and vacation that they so deserve. I so thank God. I hope you do for Pastor Tim, Cindy, and all that God's doing in this church. You must be exhausted from fasting and praying and meeting all this week. There was a, a few with nervous laughter because you haven't been fasting, and you know it. But that's okay. That's okay. God knows he sees your heart. And uh, I had a young lady one time. We were fasting in the church, and she came and said, Pastor... She was on staff, I have to eat, I have to eat. 
I'm useless to the kingdom of God. I can't think about anything but food. And it was like, it was the first day. It was noon of the first day. I said, go ahead, have something to eat. And God's not a legalist. He knows your heart. And she says, oh, thank God. I, I can't even work. All I can do is think about food. So please be in prayer for Pastor Tim, Pastor Cindy. You, you know, they, there's a tremendous weight that comes with this pulpit. And God knows why. Everybody that's ever stood here, Pastor David Wilkerson and myself for several years, and now Pastor Tim understands the weight that is here. We, we stand in a virtual headwind of opposition to the gospel. Of course, we know why. In the inception of this church, the Lord gave Pastor David Wilkerson a vision, in a sense, that this church, Times Square Church, would become a lighthouse. And as the days grew darker, the beam from this church would go farther and farther around the world. Now, that vision was given before the Internet. Do you understand? I mean, he, there's no way to explain it, but somehow from this pulpit was going to come a beam of light. And we, we're, we're reading all of the countries and all the places. So I'm sitting there saying, God, I knew, you knew, you foreknew, and you spoke to us about these days that we're now living in where the darkness is getting darker, but the light is going farther. A lighthouse is only a tourist attraction until the nighttime comes. You know that. And then it's in the darkness that the dark actually allows the beam of light to go farther. So thank God for the numbers of homes that are being reached, the numbers of hearts, the, the numbers of people who have really no fellowship in some cases. I remember getting a, uh, an email one time and a text from a, a little group of about seven people meeting in a, a secluded spot in the world. I can't name the country. Um, but they were meeting in a room, closing the blinds, meeting and, uh, and listening online to the messages coming from here. Because if they were discovered, it meant a death sentence for them in that particular country they were in. So you understand that uh, there's something bigger than what we can see and understand quite often happening. Appreciate your prayers for Pastor Teresa, myself, uh, Brother Chuk Subu, one of the elders here at Times Square Church, his wife Ngozi, Nick and Catherine Cassidy, and Bettina Mariag. We're heading off tomorrow morning into Nigeria for a 12-day tour in Nigeria. And uh, appreciate your prayers. Uh, I was sitting in my seat here today, and I, as we were uh, talking about mountains moving, as I was praying, God, make our feet like the feet of those four lepers that went down into the Syrian camp, you know, that everything that is is pitted against the church of Jesus Christ in Nigeria and against the Christian people. Set it to flight. Do something, God, that only you can do. Encourage and lift the pastors up. Give them strength to face the days that they are now in where, you know, the, 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 uh, the terror is very, very real in that part of the world right now. I'm going to speak to you today about the last of the last days. The last of the last days. We've been in the last days since the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. That's the period of time biblically known as the last days. The last days began with the ascension of Christ, continued with the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and will culminate or finish with the return of Jesus Christ. If the early apostles thought they were in the last days, we are now in the last of the last days. The apostle Peter warned us that these days should not overtake us as a thief, should not come upon us so suddenly that we were unprepared for it. I remember back in the year 2001, it was about the month of April, when the, the Holy Spirit 
started speaking to our hearts in this church that there was a time of crisis coming to the city. We knew it was the voice of God, so we canceled the missions conference, we canceled the women's conference, we canceled our guest speakers, we began to meet, and the Holy Spirit said, bring the people to the throne of God and teach them how to find grace to help in time of need, for a season of distress is coming to the city. And they're going to need to be strong to not be part of the, the, the fear, in a sense, that will be in our streets. You know, during the next few months, we had such a phenomenal presence of God come into the sanctuary. We would sometimes sit for up to 20, 25 minutes in absolute silence. And the, the presence of God was touchable. I don't know how else to describe it. And God was preparing our hearts. Now, there were some people here that said, hey, we didn't come to church for this. We came to church to be blessed. There's always, there's always people who come to church, and it's all just about me, myself, and mine. I didn't come here to be prepared, to be ready to help somebody else. I, I, I came here to be blessed, so they, they left. So a few left. Not it wasn't that many, but a few left, and they found a place more conducive to their pursuits at that time. But thank God, when 9-11 uh, came, we were ready. Thank God that we were ready as a body to receive people in the... I, don't, I can't even count the numbers of people that came to Christ. There's no way to count it. I do remember one Tuesday night I had to ask the people to stop kneeling in the aisles uh, because they were creating a fire hazard in the church, and uh, they did. And uh, there were just, just multiples and multiples and multiples of, of people who'd come to Christ. But the point being, we were ready. And so I want to talk to you about the last of the last days, and it comes with an incredible promise from God an incredible promise. I'm going to have to go through some of the things that we're going to have to face in the last days before I get to the promise. So stay with me, please, um, because there's something for you at the end. Father, thank you, God, for the touch of heaven in this sanctuary all day today, God. You have, you have just so, so blessed us, oh God. You've so given us strength, Lord. I thank you for your word, which indeed is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. I thank you, God, that you will never let us be taken unawares by some day ahead of us in the future without speaking to us, as you did to Paul in Acts 27, about our future. How do we fare? How do we fit? What is our purpose? God, strengthen your church today and help me, Lord, to speak this word. Quicken my, mortal, my physical body. Give me the ability to speak this word. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, part of verse 17. And I just want to start with the part at the beginning. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God. It shall come to pass. When God says it shall, that means it will. That means it doesn't mean it, it might, should, possibly will, will come just for a few. No, it shall come to pass. When God speaks... His words have the same authority as when he said, let there be light, and light came. As when God spoke into dust of the earth, and Adam became a living soul. As when he stood in the boat, and he said to the wind, be still, and to the seas, be calm. And immediately, the storm ceased. When he stood before the grave of Lazarus and called him out, after being four days in a place of death. You see, it, it's that powerful. God says, it shall come to pass in the last days. As I said earlier, the last days began with the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ and will end with his return. But there is a moment 
where we become aware that we're living in the last of the last days. I don't know how long the last of the last day season will be. But I don't, know how, I don't think it'll be as long as some would like it to be. I think it's going to come upon us suddenly. The Bible says it's like a, a woman about to give birth. The, the labor pains in the beginning are far apart, but as, as the birth draws near, they become closer and, uh, until it's a constant, in a sense, at the, at the giving of birth. It's like that, the Scripture says. There's, there's coming a time when all of the, the evil around us, it, it will get progressively worse and worse and worse and worse, and, and people will look and say, what's happening to this world? Since, since COVID seemingly shut everything down, it's, it's as if a, a, a baptism of, of confusion and lawlessness and division has really hit the entire world that we're living in today. We're, so many are scratching their heads and saying, what's going on in this world? Well, this world is launching its final rebellion against the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's always been in the heart of humankind to go its own way, to do its own thing, to craft its own rules of what's right and what's wrong. The, 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 the essence and the nature of sin in the Garden of Eden is to actually rebel against God, but there's been a restraining force, a restraining power in the world against that. Instituted, governed, carried by the Spirit of God. There's, there has been a restrainer. One day, the Scripture tells us that the restraining hand of God will be lifted, and humankind will devolve into a depravity never ever seen on such a scale in all of history. We've seen this depravity from time to time, as in the Holocaust in World War II, where it's unbelievable how inhumane humanity can become with other, with other human beings in the name of what they believe is virtue, and yet we know it to be evil, absolute unmitigated evil. Now I want you to imagine that on steroids, with restraints removed, nothing to stop it, the hand of God has been lifted. Many believe that's the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. I happen to concur with that. That one day the Bible says that the church of Christ is going to be lifted from the face of this earth. The restraint in that sense will be taken away from this world. And whatever remains in this world will be free to practice its debauchery and its lawlessness on a scale that's unimaginable. If you think it's dark now, it's not even remotely as dark as it's going to get. And the behaviors and the violence and the immorality are going to be on such a scale that it will make Sodom and Gomorrah look like a kindergarten picnic. The Bible warns that in the last of the last days there will be a dramatic increase in lawlessness. That part of the human heart that says, we do not want anybody telling us that there's a right and a wrong beyond what we believe right and wrong should be. You now have this concept in society today of your truth and my truth. Have you noticed that? You'll tell somebody, say, I believe the two and two equals four, and I think I can empirically prove it. And they look you right in the eye and say, well, that's your truth, but I believe that two and two equals five. And it's, it's, it's insanity. Truth is being crafted. It's not based on any reality. Just like when the children of God, when Moses was gone for a season, they crafted a golden calf and somehow convinced themselves that this calf that they made with their own hands had, had been the power of God that brought them out of Egypt and was going to lead them now into a, a place of promise. The, the stupidity of the human heart is staggering at times when you take away the restraints of God. There's almost nothing that we will not craft 
And no matter how deep or dark a lie it is, we will want to parade it as truth. And isn't that exactly what we're facing in our, in our world today? Paul paints this incredibly dismal picture. First, 2 Thessalonians 2, beginning at verse 7, he says, The mystery of lawlessness is already at work until he who restrains it will do so until he's taken out of the way. There's, there's this push against the ways of God. And we're seeing it in full force in our country today. A push against what God says is biblical morality. A push against truth. A push against everything that is holy and righteous and just and true. And Isn't it amazing how people now in authority even can get up and bold-facedly lie and they don't even blink when it's proven to be wrong? Can you imagine, with the restrainer still here, can you imagine what will happen when the restrainer is taken out of the way? When that of God which holds back this evil is suddenly removed. Then the lawless one will be revealed. Satan, of course, is at the heart of this rebellion against God and those he chooses to put into authority, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this God, this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they only be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There's nothing in my mind more terrifying than when you see the hand of God having been lifted from somebody who wants new truth. And I've seen that more than once in my lifetime. When you're looking into eyes so dark and into logic so foreign to the ways of God that you can no longer, even people who once walked with God and you can't reach them, there's something has happened. There's a mist of blindness that's come upon their lives and no matter what you say, they can just shrug it off. There's no conviction, no desire to turn back to God, no desire to return to truth because they did not receive the love of the truth God, it says, shall send upon them strong delusion. If today you can hear his voice, don't harden your heart. That's the best advice I think as an older saint I can give you. If you can hear his voice, if he's telling you to turn away from something, turn away from it now. If he's telling you to move towards something he has for you, move towards it now. If you can hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The old-time saints used to call it gospel hardening. When you, you hear truth for so long and have resisted it for so long that suddenly you don't hear it anymore. It's a, like a, a veil comes over the ears and, and over the heart. There's no longer any ability to hear. Now, Paul also paints a dismal picture of this time when humankind moves to a collective level of depravity that's rarely, if ever, been seen in the world. Listen to what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. They'll know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, and that means it's standing and cursing God, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, 
having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. In other words, this entire rebellion will clothe itself in its own homemade religion. It doesn't say that they will reject religion. They just reject God. They will form a religion that allows this kind of behavior to exist and somehow validates it and makes it a good thing. It's a form, but it has no power in it. It cannot change a human heart. It can't transform a society. It can't do anything. The power of God is not in it. Of this sort are they who creep into households and take captives of gullible women loaded with sins and led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. And so what you see in this is when Moses was sent by God to bring the people out of captivity, out of years of captivity in Egypt, and then to bring them into a wilderness. How attractive is that? Not into the promised land yet, but into the wilderness first. It it speaks to me of a place of trust in God. Out of captivity into a place where I don't know where I'm going, but God's taking me there, and I choose to sacrifice here. I choose to thank Him here. I don't see His promises yet fulfilled, but I believe He's faithful. And so, God, thank You for taking me out of captivity, and I'm not sure where I'm going, but I'm sure You're going to take me there, so I'm going to sacrifice here. I'm going to thank You here. I'm going to praise You here. So important to learn to praise God in the wilderness. Hallelujah. You can't wait until all your promises are fulfilled to start praising Him. You start praising Him now. Start praising Him before your prison door opens. Praise Him before your blinded eyes see. Praise Him before your wounded heart is healed. Praise Him when it, you don't know where you're going, but you're not going back to where you used to be. You know that much, but you don't know where you're going yet. But you start praising Him and saying, God, I believe that all things work together for good because I love you and I am the called according to your purpose. Not my purpose, but your purpose. As we heard about Joseph being in the prison, God, I don't know how this promise is going to be fulfilled, but I know you're going to fulfill it. It's going to be done your way. It's going to be done in your time. And you have set my life apart for the sake of others. That's what we teach at our Bible school. Christianity is living for the benefit of others. It's not just for me. It's not just for my food, my career, my home, my life, my happiness, my job, and all these things. Ultimately, the, the purpose and the pleasure of God's power in our lives is for the sake of other people who need to know Him through us as Lord and Savior. Now, there's going to be a religion that's going to resist this, a religion that had gained access to the throne, a pharaoh, and could imitate the power of God, but only to a point. There's a lot of imitation of the power of God. It's usually accompanied with a lot of smoke and a lot of noise. But there's a lot of imitation. And so they were able to imitate certain things. When Moses and Aaron showed up, they could imitate the the rod turning into a serpent. They could imitate the frogs coming out of the river. There's certain things they could do. But there was a, a line that they could not cross. And that was when God told Moses to bring life out of the dust. You see, you and I were created. Our first father was created from the dust. Adam was, God put some dust in his hand and he breathed upon it. And that pile of dust became a living soul and we are 
the children of that pile of dust. You know that, right? We are the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. They are our first parents. Ashes to ash and dust to dust. That's what, I've said that at so many gravesites now that it, it's kind of ingrained in me now. We, this is where we came from and this is where we're going to go one day. But only God can give life to my pile of ashes. You understand that nobody can imitate that. You can't fake that. You can't pretend that, Sarah. Only God can breathe into my life and take me where I need to go and make me into what he's called me to be and give me what I need to have when I get there. Only God can bring life from the dust. Only God can breathe that kind of life into any of us. This is what will manifest their folly. There will come a point where it becomes obvious to the honest seeker of God that these men and women do not speak for God. Because no matter how much they strut and, 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 and preen themselves on in public or wherever it is, they, they cannot bring about anything in my heart that allows God to bring change into my life. You see, because their whole focus is about themselves, they can't bring people into a focus of others. They can't because it's never at the center core of anything they preach, teach, publish, or defend. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul tells us about the season that we're probably living in now where marriage and family and fatherhood and motherhood will be mocked and directly undermined. Children will be indoctrinated in godlessness. Pleasure and not purpose in life will be promoted. Immoral lifestyles, lifestyles will be celebrated. Prayer will be taken away from our children, from our schools. Obscenity laws will be softened. Pornography will be promoted in all media outlets. Many churches will back down discredit the Bible, and actually begin to resist the truth. When that decree came from Nebuchadnezzar, who built a statue, as he saw it, in the image of himself and his worldview, as it was, of, of what this, the future is going to look like, he sent a decree. And he said, everybody, when you hear the music, you bow before my, my image of man, as it is. You bow before that golden image. And if you refuse to bow, you're going to be thrown into the furnace. It's going to get hot for you if you don't bow. Many of you know what I'm talking about today. That same spirit is in the workplace. That same spirit is attacking the people of God all through our society today. You bow, you bend, you agree, or you burn. That's really the issue. That's what, that's the, uh, what people are being challenged with today. Now, there's a lot of people that claim to be people of God of that generation that bowed. I have no doubt. And they had all the reasons why this was probably legitimate in the sight of God. And I don't know any of their names. None of their names are recorded. Do you know any of their names? Did any of them have any effect on their society? Absolutely none. But the one thing I do know, I know the names of the three who didn't bow. Hallelujah. I know the names of the three who decided, no matter what you do, no matter the threats you send my way, I am not bending my knee to a homemade image of God or man. I am going to serve the living God, and Him alone will I bend my knee to. So you throw me in the fire if you want. You take away my freedom if you choose to do so. But I'm going to serve God, and it's only Jesus Christ that I will bend my knee before in this or any other generation. We know their names. We know the names of the three of them, and we also know the name of the fourth, who had the form like the Son of God, who stood in the fire with them. And I, I, don't, I don't know if they saw the fourth. I honestly don't know if they saw the fourth in the fire, because the Bible doesn't record it. But I do know that Nebuchadnezzar saw the fourth man in the fire. And when you choose to stand 
with God, no matter how difficult life gets, the people around you will see a strength that you have. Somebody is standing with you that maybe you don't see, but they see it. They say, where does this man, where does this woman get the strength that's in their life to stand in spite of the threats that are coming against them? This religionist system will, will progress no further. Their foolishness will be made known. And you ask me the question, you say, well, then how are we going to stand in the last of the last days against such a flood of evil? And some of you came in here with that question today. God Almighty, how am I going to stand in the workplace? You can't even have a conversation about something biblical anymore without being labeled a hater or somebody who's unnecessary or being vilified or lied about or slandered or set up. And I know you face these things now in the workplace. So many that are here today, this is, this is your portion in this moment we're living in. So we ask the question, how do we stand in the last of the last days against a flood? Now, Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19, the Lord says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now, a standard is a banner. A standard is like a flag. And, and the best definition I read, it's when the Lord decides to enter the fight himself. God says, okay, this is enough. I'm coming down. I'm going to enter the fight. And he raises a banner around which he calls his soldiers to gather. It's, it's a gathering point. You know, of course, the flag for us, the banner, is the cross of Calvary. It's the place where the victory was won. It's the place that God is calling us to. It's the place which we're now called in the last days to the banner because his promise is it shall come to pass in the last days. It shall come to pass. In the last days, says God, that I will pour up my spirit on all flesh. Hallelujah. I will pour up my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That means your sons and daughters will begin to declare truth through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They will see it, they will believe it, and by the power of God, they will declare it. They will declare the cross without compromise. They will prophesy. They will be able to talk about the future of those who turn to God and the future of those who don't turn to God. There will be a boldness. There will be a strength. There will be an ability given to them. goes on. Your young men shall see visions. In other words, younger men shall see things from the perspective which God gives them. Pastor Tim, is, he's on the edge now of being young or old. He's right in the middle, right on the line right now. Pastor Tim, I know you're watching me, so I think this is a compliment, okay? But he's right on the edge between young and old. Not sure if he's seeing a vision or dreaming dreams. But God has given him a vision. And I thank God for the vision that Pastor Tim has to reach a billion souls for the kingdom of God in this last day. Why should anything seem too hard for God? Is it too hard for God? No, heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. He can reach anybody he wants to reach. I often wonder, has he been waiting for somebody to believe him? Somebody to stand in the gap? Somebody to believe that this beam can go out around the world from a pulpit where people are given the opportunity to turn to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Why should it seem difficult for the one who made all things by the word of his mouth? And your old men shall dream dreams. That means the older men like myself are not living in the past, getting up in the pulpits like this and just telling stories 
of the past. I thank God for the past. There's, there's been a terrific history in my life and the life of this church, but I don't live there. I live for something I see now in the future. I live for what God is about to do, a revelation of what he's able to do or what he's planning to do. I have believed since I was in my 20s that I would live to see an incredible turning to God, not understanding how it was going to happen, but the Lord spoke to my heart that it would happen in a season of calamity, in a season of fear, in a season of crisis. People would begin to turn. The the numbers turning would be so vast that nobody could count them. It is my heart's cry to see pastors alive again in pulpits. Every pulpit in churches that are seeking God across the country to become a burning bush, confronting every one of us who comes in with the call of God that's on our lives. No matter whether we're young or we're old or rich or poor or black or white or brown or red or green, it doesn't matter what color we are, where we come from, the call of God is on our lives. And we would be confronted by a holy God every time we come into his house. Not looking just for some new thing to put in our resume, but looking for what is it God wants to do through my life? Where does God want to take me? What does God want to make me into? How does God want to glorify his life through my, through my physical body, through my life? What can I do that Christ in me can be glorified? Praise be to God. I'll tell you what I can do. I come to the banner. I come back to the cross. And I say, Jesus, I don't want to live beneath the inheritance that you have for my life. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that my name is written in this book of life and have thank you that my name is written. Thank you that heaven is my home. But I want to go beyond that. I want my life to make a difference. I want men and women and children to be set free from the captivity of Egypt, brought with me into the land of God's promise through Jesus Christ. Glory to God. So I'm coming to the banner. I'm coming there because you said it shall come to pass in the last days. And I refuse to live beneath my inheritance in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. So I'm an old man dreaming dreams. I see something on the horizon. I see God doing something that's so much bigger than you or me. We can't even begin to understand the depth of what he's about to do. But I do know, by God's grace, we are invited to be part of it. You were never God's plan B, do you understand? Or C, D, E, or F. You were always plan A in the kingdom of God. When you go into the book of Corinthians, you just see it clearly. God chooses the foolish and the weak and the nobodies and the nothings and those things that are despised and the poor to empower by the cleansing of his blood, filled with his spirit, bringing us where we could never go and giving us what we could never naturally possess and making us into what we could never be so that he might be glorified. This is a, this is a visual generation, folks. This is a visual generation. They're not going to read the Bible. Do you understand? Their attention span is very limited now, especially the young generation. But what they will do is they'll read you. They will read the presence of God in your life. They will read you. And when you and I come to that banner of Christ and allow God to fill us again with his Holy Spirit, as everything around us starts coming apart, we start coming together. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, I think it's interesting it's just a sidebar, but, you know, this church is in its 37th year. 
And it's in Ezekiel 37 that God says, can these bones live? <laughs> you know, and all the bones start coming together. And they stand and God breathes upon them. And they become a, a force to be reckoned with in the earth. God, do something in my life. Take me. Jesus Christ, give me your Holy Spirit. Take me. Use me. Change me. Let my life be a supernatural life. A life empowered, guided, led. Move upon me, Lord Jesus Christ, to, to speak to somebody a word that they would know comes from you. Give me the courage to lay hands on the sick and believe that you can heal them. Give me, give me the power to take authority over things that are trying to trouble and darken people's minds. Give me words to say in every place I walk into that are laced with the wisdom of God that will change the way people think. God, I want to be part of this last time generation, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that you promised in the last of the last days. And together, you and I will move into this mountain. I love that we sang that. I've, I've seen the mountain move, and I believe I'll see it again. You know, you and I will move into this mountain of confused humanity. Talk about confusion. It's on every level, but here we go as the body of Christ moving into this mountain of confusion for perhaps the greatest whoever calls moment in the history of the world. I believe, I believe it's going to be so. You're free to accept that or reject that. That's a personal conviction. But in verse 21, as signs in the heavens begin to actually increase, he says, it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it's, it's you and I moving in the, in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit into this mountain of darkened humanity and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what I want my life to be. That's what I want your life to be. It's, it's a life that causes people to call out to God. David the king said, I was sinking. So if you're sinking today, then you're okay. You're okay. He's not going to let you go down. Don't you worry about that. And David said, the Lord reached down and picked me up and set me upon a rock. He put my feet on a solid place. And he put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. And I love the King James Version. He says, many shall see it. He doesn't say they'll hear it. They'll see it. He puts a song in us that can be seen before it's heard. And they will fear and they will trust in God. In other words, the song of confidence in God is so deep within us. The song of God's ability to change us from image to image and glory to glory by the Spirit of God. The song of, of the ability to see a future when others around us don't. In Acts 27, when the ship was going down, somebody called for the Apostle Paul. Up to that point, they, they, they didn't, couldn't care less about what he had to say. But when the ship was going down, and the Scripture says, and all hope that we would be saved was lost, somebody somewhere said, where is that guy that said he's got a word from God? And suddenly the Apostle Paul comes on the deck and he's, he's filled with confidence in God. You've got to picture this. The ship is going down. The waves are so big they're going to break the back of it to pieces. The odds of getting to shore in a storm like that are almost zero, even if you can swim. The undertow is so strong. You, any mariner would know the odds of making it to shore are, are nil. Half of the people there have got chains on their hands. They can't swim in the first place. 
And Paul's on the deck of the ship, and he's got this incredible joy in his life. And the people, when they saw his confidence in God, the Scripture says they took heart themselves. And everybody grabbed a hold of, of a piece of wood as the ship fell apart. And your life and mine are going to do that in this generation as our confidence in God is going to tell people to get a hold of the cross. The cross still floats, folks. It still can get us to shore. It's still trustworthy. And as we begin to trust in God, a song of confidence will be placed in our hearts. And because of it, people around us, your family, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, even your enemies, will see the presence of God in your life and they will begin to turn to Him because they see that song of confidence that comes from the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 What a beautiful way to live life. What a great way. What a great way to finish out. I don't know when I'm going to finish. And I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk about finishing today, but I'm going out with a shout of glory. I'm telling you straight out. I'm going out with a shout of glory. I'm going out. I'm going out believing God for one more soul, one more person in my family surrendering to God. I'm just going out in faith and going out believing because I have a dream. I see something ahead. I see you involved in it. What is my part, you would say? Call out for the Holy Spirit. The, the Lord will not impose His Spirit on you or on me. Somehow we think that this end-time revival will come and just suddenly I'll be sitting doing what I'm doing and just suddenly poof, God comes. And that can't happen. But generally speaking, there's a cooperation on our part that is required, which is just an open heart. God, I, I hear this, and I don't want to be left out in the last days of, of what you're about to do, so I open my heart. And whatever change that means in my life, I'm okay with it. Wherever it leads me, that's where I want to follow. But God, I don't want this generation to die in their sin when your Holy Spirit is still here. The way to eternal life is still open, and you still have a church which is the testimony in the earth of who you are. I want my life to count. God, give me your Holy Spirit. I wish I had time today to tell you. When I started to cry out, you know, it's funny, when you get old, you say, I wish I had time to tell you, and now I'm going to tell you. See? It's just the way it works now. But I started to cry out, God, I want to serve you with all my heart. I want to live for you. And through a series of events, the Lord led me to a halfway house. I was a police officer, in uniform, might I add. And it was all ex-cons out of prison, like heavy-duty ex-cons, too, not just light stuff. It was big stuff. And they were in a halfway house where they're about to be released from prison and reintegrated back into society. And these guys had all found Christ in prison. I've got to admit, I was really uncomfortable there. But I was crying out for the Holy Spirit. I said, God, you've got to do more in my life than, than I've known to this point. And I remember that night as if it was yesterday. Uh, at the end of the evening when we were in this house, that they, these guys all gathered around me, laid hands on me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, I just... It... But you see, the point is I wanted the presence of God and the power of God. He doesn't impose it. You have to want it. And I'm finding I'm at the place again where I want the power of God anew and afresh. Touch of heaven. I, I prayed recently. I said, God, I don't, care what, I don't care how you do it. 
I just want your Holy Spirit anew and afresh. I, I want you more than life. I've tasted of your presence. And I'm not satisfied with just the little edges, just little pieces and edges. I want everything that you have for my life. So that's your part and my part. And I want it for the right reason. I don't want the Holy Spirit just so I can feel good. I don't want the Holy Spirit just so I can have power to live a better daily life. I want the Holy Spirit for your sake. I want the Holy Spirit for the sake of your children, your families. I want the Holy Spirit for the sake of the confusion that's in this generation. I want the Holy Spirit for the sake of the one who died on the cross because he so loved this world. And recently I prayed and I said, God, I don't believe I have to beg you for what you died to give us. I don't believe that. You died to give us the Holy Spirit. You died to make our lives a light in this world. And I don't believe I have to beg you for that. But, oh God, I want you with all my heart. And whatever that means and wherever it leads, I'm willing to go. We're going to stand in just a moment. The worship team is going to lead us in a song. If that's your heart this afternoon, if that's your heart. I was 24 when this happened to me. Well, actually 26 when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And the rest is history. But if that's you today, you just say, God, I, I thank you for what you've done. I thank you that I'm, I'm blessed. I thank you that I, my sins are forgiven. I thank you, God, that I, I have promised for the future. I thank you, Lord, that you've, you've, you've given me hope. But now I want more in my life. I want a heart that desires to reach out to the, the downtrodden, the oppressed, and the afflicted like I was. I don't want to leave anybody in Egypt and just hop, skitch, and jump and off into the promised land. If there's any left behind, I want to go get them. I want to bring them with me. Give me your heart, God. Give me your heart first and then your power second. Father, thank you, God, for... Oh, God, you are preparing us for a moment. I, I know that in my heart. You've been doing this in this church for weeks and weeks and weeks. There's a drawing. Pastor Tim feels it. I, I know. I, I hear him speak. And I, I know he feels that drawing. And it's hard sometimes to put it into words. Where are you leading us, Lord? What are you taking us into? It's the anointing of the last days. Father God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give us the desire for more of you. Give us the desire, Lord. If we don't have it, we simply ask for it. Give us the ability, God, to reach out of our own concerns and and move towards this mountain of need that's all around us. Help us, Lord Jesus Christ, to be open to whatever it is that you'd like to do in each of our lives. Let's stand together. And if that's the prayer that you want to pray, would you join me at this altar, please? We're going to pray and believe God for a touch of the Holy Spirit today. Just come. Just come wherever you are. Follow those that are already making their way here. Move in close. Slip out of your seats. Come on, especially young people. Don't waste your time pursuing things in this world that don't satisfy. Come and find out what does satisfy. Praise God. Just move in close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the young people here today. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Just keep coming. Just keep coming. Slip out. Slip out. doesn't matter what your friends think. You don't stand before them on the last day. Stand before Christ. Praise God. Nothing worthful that could ever come close. No thing can compare to our living hope. Oh, God, your the love worldwide www.jesusinthemorningradio.com hallelujah hallelujah evangelist carter colon this morning and the last of the last days yeah he gave us a lot of great information and so i'm thankful unto almighty god this morning that he won't let anything slip upon his people yeah, he wants us to be ready, and so he will send whatever he needs to send so that we can know and we can prepare, because I promise he's coming back looking for us. Uh, yeah, and I'm thankful, thankful this morning. Good morning to everyone, and uh, I wanted to share this. Yesterday, we got kind of caught up with uh, one of the Bible questions, one of the Bible quiz questions. And the answer was the hen for the questions. I'm pulling it up now so that I can get the question for you. And we looked uh, in the book where it told us to go and take a look, but we couldn't find the hen. So um, Sister Dot got with Pastor David. I'm putting where did I put oh right here. She got with Pastor David, and Pastor David went over in. Exodus, I think it's Exodus 16 and 13, and it talks about the quails, the quails that got the meat. Remember, they cried out, they wanted bread. He gave them bread, then they wanted water, they wanted meat. Everything they asked for, God supplied. So I'm looking at it, um, 
as it's got to be quail. And it's got to be, unless I'm missing something, and I don't think I am, because I went back over to it. Then Shantae and I went back over it. But which question was it, Sister Dot? Was it which of, okay, which of these birds were the Israelites by law permitted to eat? Heron, raven, eagle, the hen. These are the four answers, two, four. I went back to the quiz and uh, found out from the quiz what the quiz said it really should be. And it was, the word was the hen, Leviticus 11, 13 through 20. But we, we, we may have missed something over there, but what we saw is what they was not allowed to eat. Now, that's what I saw. Maybe I, I, I read too fast or missed something over there. Because uh, Heron, Raven, the eagle, he said they couldn't eat that, but the hen. So, uh, again, Leviticus 11, 13 through 12. But I'm taking that as raven, a chicken. That, that That's the only thing I could get uh, out of there, and I didn't do uh, the quiz for today. We'll do it for tomorrow, and uh, get those answers in uh, tomorrow. So listen, I just want to share that a little bit. Uh, I'm not trying to go no deeper or nothing like that today, but I wanted to get that in, and we thank God. So listen, um, the studio is open. If there's anyone have something they would like to share this morning. Please feel free to press that number one and come in this morning. Good morning to your brother Jermaine. Good morning to your sister Laura. <laughs> My God, baby, God bless you today, Laura. God bless you and Mr. Mason, Miss Deborah, and uh, the other side. Yes, the other side. God bless you. Uh, God bless you this morning, Sion. God bless you, Sister Rita, and uh, brother Anthony. God bless you this morning. God bless you, Pastor David, and God bless you, Sister Irene, and God bless you, Sister Dorothy Goodman. God bless you this morning, and uh, we thank God. And I saw Brother D earlier. Good morning, and God bless you, Brother D. Yeah, he was in the house early today, and uh, it just gave me great joy to see that number. Because, you know, when you're not in touch, I can reach out and touch Brother Anthony by phone or email or by uh Facebook, Messenger, somewhere, I can reach him. But Brother D is on another side doing some other things. So when I see his number come up in the studio, it's just a blessing. That's all. It's just a blessing to know that he's all right. Because I see these young men as my sons. Yeah, these 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 guys been with me a very long time. Brother D come and kept coming. I thought, oh, look at here. Uh, Brother Anthony come and he kept coming. And so we thank God. We thank God for them. And uh, Brother Frank has gone on. Brother Louis has gone on. But those two brothers, they came and they kept coming. And so we're thankful unto the Lord. And there are a few more. But some people don't like their name out there. Some people don't like you to talk about them in any kind of way, whether you're praising them or nothing. Don't say nothing. Just let me be. 
I have a young lady always tell me, people talk too much. Well, I, I won't say all of that, but what I will say sometimes, uh, I watch private people. I, I'm telling you now, because the people that I know that are private, these are the kind of people go with married folks. I'm just telling you. Uh, it's the kind of people that go with uh, somebody else's man. I, I'm, it's what I know. All the people that's free, this is not their kind of thing because if they're private, that way they won't slip up and say nothing about what they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. See, just like preachers that's wrong and, and hiding stuff. See, if you didn't know it was wrong, you wouldn't hide. But you know it's wrong, so you try to hide it. But when I tell you today, God is exposing, God is destroying. And you know what? He, he, he's not out there on a horn. Hey, I'm just tearing it all down. Anybody that's right, not right today, I'm just, he, he said what he meant, and he meant what he said in his word, and it's just coming to pass. And see, he just simply wants us to believe. That's what he said, believe. Get in that book and you'll see what he says coming to pass. I'm coming and coming quick. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. All right, Brother Jermaine, I'm coming at you right now. Happy to see you this morning. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Oh, hey, good morning, Sister Barbara. I'm doing very well today. I saw your light come on in the studio, so I thought I'd bring you on in. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm appreciating. I'm uh, just trying to get in as much as I can because I know that you know this is uh it's kind of like a home for me. So okay. all I'm doing is coming back on home, and you know I was uh kind of thinking about when I I was able to share my testimony last week, and just hearing some of what you were saying. You know, the other part of that is I know a lot of times. You know, it's tough right now. We have a lot of people going through a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you live, that happens. Sometimes you go through periods of struggle. But, you know, there's there's a good side to it, too. For As far as me, what I didn't get to mention is how he opened up a lot of other opportunities for me mm-hmm. that I can see coming in the future that I've been setting up. And uh, because of my struggles, I was able to get into some studies and, and get back into things I used to be into that I was too busy before to, to really slow down and focus on. So what I did, I got certified as a life coach and I got certified as a mental health specialist because one thing I see going on nowadays is, is a more of a spiritual and a mental battle. Mm-hmm. And all the um, stuff that we've seen the last few years, I see people just, spiritually and mentally defeated and I don't even blame a lot of them because it seems like you're just bombarded with stuff on TV on the radio over and over and over to the point where you know it just kind of attacks your mind in a way where people just break down and see a lot of people that going through unfortunate times where it's just it's hard and you find out real quick that the world is just not your friend they don't care about you you know, I, I saw the country singer Toby Keith that passed away. Yes. Uh, recently, and and you know, I'm not one of the people who's a conspiracy theorist, but I have been keeping track. There, 
you know, it's not always the case, but I have noticed a lot of people have been ill after they, they took that, that stuff. Then mm. it seems like within a year or two, things that never happened to them starts happening. So mm-hmm. we've got to keep an eye on that and, and, you know, watch our health in general. But the man wasn't even um, told yet before people started having negative comments and jokes to say and, you just find out these people, they'll cheer for you one minute, and then the next minute they got something bad to say about you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can, you can only trust God and trust the people of God because at the end you find out real quick that mm-hmm. your life hanging on a thread, just like the Bible says, is like a silver cord, and it's here one day, gone the next. You just you really appreciate what God's done for you in times of trouble. So I'm a high go ahead and get my website established. And I've been working with clients and people for free just because I wanted to give back what God has given for me. And I see a lot of people going through it. I'm like, Hey, if this is going to be part of ministry, then you don't go ahead and and give away to the people of God. He'll take care of you on the other end. You don't have to worry about trying to make money and and establish yourself to somebody that's, you guys work and they'll take care of you on the back end. So I'm going to get myself established and I just want to put it out here on the show because I remember I had spoken with you about it last year, but God has put on my heart to write several books and I've already started assembling the outlines and writing the materials and just I want it to be available to everybody for a very reasonable price and you know, some of it might even be free, but Jesus in the Morning is definitely one of those projects. I feel like people need to know about this work. That's, and I know you're not a person to glorify yourself, and that's what I really love about you. So I, I do think it's important for people to know about this show and about the people who come here faithfully and just bless God every single day that they get on the air. You know, it's not about you or me it's all about him and i want as many people to know that as possible so that's that's what i feel like god's put on my heart as one of the projects that i am going to complete more willing this year and then uh you know all that came from the all that came from a position of pain when i was in pain when i was suffering god opened up these things and kind of revealed them to me so in that sense going through struggle is good for us because it really reveals what's in our heart and what our focus has been, you know. We we got the Super Bowl going on out here with the 49ers versus uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And about 10 years ago, I'd have been almost, you know, looking like one of the maniacs with uniform on and ready to go. But now I enjoy sports, but I don't let it take me over. It's just It's just a game. You know, it's not something I worship anymore, and that's as a result of spiritual maturity. So I'm, I'm glad for all the struggles and things I have gone through that have pointed me back towards where God wanted me to be. Okay. Yes, sir. Because what we have to do is wait on him. Sometimes we want to do things, and but we learn to wait on God because if we wait on him, his perfect timing He's going to do what he said he's going to do. And what I notice, most people that are real and doing things from their heart to be a blessing unto others, there's usually not a whole lot of charge. 
Now, sometimes they have to charge because they have to pay for material of this, that, and the other. But when you come in from a sincere place, you're not trying to charge, especially, and you know that God is moving it into ministry. Then you're not trying to charge. You're trying to bless some people. When I tell you mental health is real, and it's a lot of it out here, you, you, let me tell you something. I see people who have gone to college and have a, a Ph.D. Listen to me. They got through all of this stuff in school. Every year after year after year, they, they, they went and did their internship and all of this stuff just as disturbed in the mind as possible. I'm, I'm telling you, when it comes to common sense, when it comes to simple things, everyday life things, they they don't have it. They, they're afraid. They got to pay some, something have to be done for them. And they did all of this college stuff and got the big degrees, as I call it. Yeah. But this the thing. Unless God is leading and guiding you, look for trouble. That's it. He come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. No college, no university, no professor, no preacher. Only Jesus come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. You want abundant life? Truly accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let his spirit get in you and, and, and you get in him. Let his word get in you and you get in his word and follow his word. Because a lot of times we have stepping. We, we, we got a little bit and we're running. But you'll soon get, all right, Brother Anthony, I see you. But you'll soon get to see the natural stuff of this world is not going to last for you. You got to have a place of spirituality. You got to have a place where you go spiritually. You got to have a personal prayer life and a personal Bible study life. And you got to mean this thing. And you got to stand and walk in the word of God. And you got to remember, he's a spirit. It's not flesh and blood. He's a spirit. So unless we go into him spiritually, we're not getting nothing. We got to get in that word, I promise you, and let the word. Stop following anybody. Stop following people talking. Uh, all kind, uh, pray. And ask God for understanding, knowledge, and wisdom of his word. Ask him to teach you how to apply his word to your everyday life. But you got to know it in order to be able to apply it. Get, get get all your getting from him as much as possible. And he won't have us ignorant. No, he won't. When you've experienced God, I, I'm not talking about no foolishness. I'm not talking about you ain't really had, you went to the altar and said I do and you believe that. But I'm talking about when you have truly had some experiences, 
When you didn't know where that next meal was going to come from and you working unto the Lord, you going where he say go, you doing what he said do, and you don't know where that next meal coming from. And you keep right on going. Well, it's, it, it, it's past dinner time. I haven't eaten yet for a couple of days. Now it's time to lay down. And he gave me a spot to lay for no food. He didn't say fast. Food is just not coming. It's a trial. You got to trust him. You went to bed around 9.30. All of a sudden, 10.30. I've been calling you didn't answer the phone. I was asleep. Well, I wanted to bring this back for you. Look, you didn't even have a taste for shrimp and steak, baked potato salad, strawberry shortcake. You didn't have no taste for that. If you could have got you a pack of top ramen romaine noodles you would with the little seasoning pack in it, you would have been glad for that. But you didn't grumble. You didn't complain. You went and worked what God told you to work and did what he said do. Guess what? Here come the meal, a big meal. And then guess what they did? They gave you a gift card with $100 on it and say, this should carry until you get paid. What? Huh? I'm talking about when you've gone through something. See, some people just simply believe, but they never experience some things. And I believe God used the less. He used those that come out the parents' house and just went straight to bed. He used the, the, the hustler, the dope dealer. He, he used folks that done been through something, the prodigal son. He, he used somebody who's been real, real poor, had nothing. But folk want to act like this don't exist. You just read these books and this is what he's talking about and it have to make sense to you and it's on an intellectual level. Let me tell you what it's on, a spiritual level. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We walk in the spirit that we don't fulfill the lust of our flesh. And the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. I can't let these people fool me and trick me with all of this. I think I'm on my way to hell, and I, I mean to heaven, and I'm on my way to hell because I done missed the mark. No, I can't do it. I've been through too much. <laughs> uh, he's taken me through too many trials to prove to me. that I know him for myself. I've called upon him and he come. Called upon him and he come to hear what I had to say. <laughs> hey, glory. Yeah. Sat down and talked to him. I, I, I don't even, these days, I don't even make it a big, long, drawn out nothing. I just tell him what it is and I'm done. And then some days I just want to talk to him, you know, whatever it may be. But I call him when I need him. Because I really need him all the time, every day. Not a second go by, I don't need him. I need him. Because of him, I'm breathing, I'm living. But we back to this. There's a lot of mental health out there. Oh, my goodness, you would be surprised. 
you talking to your lawyer and your lawyer is messed up in his mind. Uh-huh. You talking to your doctor, your physician, your primary care doctor, and he messed up. He go through bouts of depression and uh, he see things that's not there, all kind of stuff. The only way you got a sound mind is in Jesus. He gave us power, love, and a sound mind. If we outside of him, you can't have it. The enemy come but to kill, steal, and destroy. Go take a look at John 10, 10. Again, it's Jesus that come. Who came that we might have life? Who come that we might have life and have it more abundantly? Yeah. I see two people, God, they don't have very much. And if they did, they gave it away. They're giving it away. We need Jesus. Faith. We need trust in God and his word. I'm telling you, that's all that matters. Preparation, preparing to go back with him when he comes according to his word. Because some people won't ever believe they're going to hear from him. But anytime you pray, you're going to hear. If you can wait. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, uh, Brother Jermaine. And let us know when you got your website up and you're ready to go. And so I know maybe someone over here who feel they need your help or they want to check it out or whatever, they'll give you a call or go to the website, make an appointment or whatever you require them to do. Yeah. I just wanted to share that because I'm telling you that's a big business today. And if you license, oh, yeah, you can do some stuff. Yeah. And that social worker field, you got to be clinically licensed now to work in that field because you're going to deal with some real mental health stuff. Yeah, that that's what I have a, a, an associate saying. But I found that doing it their way, it, it, it really don't do nothing for people because what they'll do, they won't end up delivered and set free. They'll end up on medication. That's not my job to put you to tone the demons down in you, my job is to cast them out of you. Yeah. So I don't. I, I never even went to bother with that. Then I can do management. Yeah, management uh, uh, in mental health. But God gave me this to you. I'm talking about way when I was young. All my life I've been in this field. Uh-huh. And adults saw that I had a sound mind, and they used to want to talk to me. Adults, and I'm a child, got saved at an early age. I didn't understand all of that. But as I found God and continued to grow in him in 1993, he revealed, he unfolded. And today I know. I've told Shante, I said, look here. <laughs> That's my field. That's what I do. <laughs> I see, Mama. Yeah. Because she's gone out with me and, you know, a few people and who came for help. And after that, you know, God used me and everything. Y'all ready to eat? Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, they don't talk like normal people. And I'm going to tell you something else. These type people... They have to impress other people. They want other people uh, somewhat to feel that I'm like you. 
Well, I'm not like you. I have power, love, and a sound mind. And you're trying to make me think that you're like me, but you're not. Because I can see. I can hear. But we pray for them. We pray for them. Because many have come to the altar and said, I do, but they couldn't stay. And when you can't stay with God, then you're on your own. Again, this morning, that devil come to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. Hallelujah. All right, Brother Anthony, I'm coming at you right now. Good morning. God bless you, sir. How are you? Well, it's had a favor. Good morning, Miss Barbara. Good morning, everybody. First of all, I want to give God thanks. Thank God for life, health, and strength. Come in my right mind. Now, let me see another day. I never seen before. I thank you for the activity in my limbs. I thank God for who he is to me, where he's doing him, and where he brought me from, where he takes me at. And I just give God all the glory, honor, and praise, and blessed to be here this morning. Hearing y'all voice and let's that y'all hear mine and all good morning to our uh, brother Jermaine and everybody listening this morning and you Miss Barbara and I'm traveling on uh, this morning to drop this uh, trailer off to the uh, down here to one of the mines down here in Nevada well close to Nevada but all uh, my signal probably go in and out so I just wanted to say good morning because I had pressed one earlier but I lost the signal so. I just so happened to get through a little town and signal came back, but just wanted to say good morning and to say God bless everybody and y'all have a blessed and awesome day and y'all just to sing you to pray my screen in the Lord and I'll do the same for y'all and pray traveling mercy for me as I travel the country roads or they be hearing uh, a free roam uh, laying out here so, you know, the cattle, they could be walking in the street. So you got to be cautious, you know, driving out here on the road that I'm driving on, especially in the country part of, you know, Idaho and going towards Nevada. So y'all just keep me in prayer. And again, y'all have this awesome day today. And also I wanted to kind of comment before Stephen still say, I want to kind of comment on, you know, what Brother Jermaine was saying about, and you as well, Ms. Bob, about mental health. And you is right. A lot of people, like you said, with, with bachelor degree and all that, you know, and I think a lot of that is too, you know, that all uh, some of them was kind of, how you say, sheltered when they, you know, coming up, you know, and they ain't had no, a lot of responsibilities, you know, and then when it comes to, you know, the parents passing away or something like that, then they don't know how to cope because they, they used to their parents doing everything for them and relying on them. So now when it's time for them to have to do some stuff or them to have to survive, you know, they, they, they clueless, you know, because they haven't, they wasn't raised like that, and they was kind of sheltered to a certain extent, so it make it hard. And then, too, you know, it all, I would guess you could say, too, you know, the spirits and generational curses and stuff like that, you know, all that play a part, you know. So, you know, we just, again, just got to pray for it, pray for people. And and I think it's an awesome thing, Brother Jermaine, because, you know, I, even going through divorces and stuff like that, you know, that, that, I play a lot on your mind, and again, losing parents and loved ones, and you know, mm-hmm. just experiencing certain things, you know, to mess with people's minds. So you you never know, you know, and uh, that's a thing to stay in the word and stay prayed up, you know. And then a lot of people don't even haven't even been taught God, or you know, taught the taught about God, and you know, things of reading the word and reading the Bible, you know, because their parents wasn't raised like that or didn't raise them, you know, in church, you know, so. You know, I, I'm just blessed to have had a grandmother, and you know, she 
raised me the way that I needed to be raised. You know, even though I strayed, I came back because there was a foundation that she planted, that seed that she planted early, you know, and her mother planted seed, just like you, Miss Barbara, and I believe everybody, you know, that listen, you know, your, your parents before you, the grandparents before them, they planted those seeds. So now, you know, those seeds sprouting, you know, in a generation. So, you know, it, it just blessed me and, you know, the wisdom, not to understand God give me concerning certain things, you know, that I can speak on. And then I just, you know, look back and just listen to things and see, you know, what they talking about, see, seeing it manifest, you know. So that's a blessing. And, again, y'all have a blessed awesome day today. And God bless you this morning. Amen. 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 But, Anthony, you said a mouthful of being because it is a lot of times it's what people have gone through. It's where they act. It's where they come from. I agree with you 100%. And sometimes people have gone through things and they didn't get a healing from it. Then, like you said, many times they wasn't raised in the church. They didn't get a godly foundation. You know, and when they hear about church and God, they turn the other way because that's not where they come from. They they don't know about that. Yeah. So I thank God he's able this morning to see us through and that we are, you know, we're his. We belong to him. And without him, we can do nothing. And those, those of us that realize this, we are truly blessed, truly blessed. Hallelujah to know God for yourself. If you look out in the world, he haven't drawn everybody. And you were some kind of special now because he drew you to him. That you could come, repent of your sins, accept him as your Lord and Savior. You found out about his word. You found out about prayer. And you've had some personal experiences with him yourself. So this has happened to you. You are some kind of blessed, and I want to say you're special. Because I see so many, he has not drawn yet. And then some he drew, they come and they decide it wasn't for them. I'm having more fun out there than I am in here because they didn't give God a chance. And, and they wanted to stay with the friends. Some wanted to stay with the family. Some families don't don't want a relative saved. They want them to continue to do what has been going on. You cuss me out, I cuss you out. Uh, We drank together, we club together, you know. Yeah, Uh, uh, we go with folks, you know, together. And you got your man, I got my man. You got your woman, I got my woman. We got married. All this kind of stuff go on. And so people have gone through a lot. Some of them are going through a lot. And they don't have a sound mind. And as Brother Anthony said, we keep them in prayer. We keep them in prayer. Yeah. Praying that the Lord will see them through. And he will. He wished that none should perish. Yeah. And I, I know he knows those that when he called them out, they are coming. And once they come, oh, they're going to serve him. Once they come, they're going to work under him. Full time, wholehearted. Hallelujah. And so it's all right today in Jesus' name. 
Brother Jermaine. <laughs> He's become a counselor, mental health. Yeah. So we just thank God this morning that he's able to see us through. And without him, we know for ourselves today, we can't do nothing. Prayer is the answer to any problem we have. Yeah. And so we love the Lord today and we're always thankful unto him, knowing we can't do nothing without him again this morning and uh, waiting on him. Yeah. And in our wait, I want us to know he's coming Mm -hmm. with more than, more than you needed spiritually, more than you needed in the natural. Yeah. Because he's a supplier, hallelujah, of need. He's a giver of wants. Oh, yeah. So we're thankful unto him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, we're moving a little further. And if there anyone else have something they would like to say, please feel free to press that number one and come in this morning and uh, share with us. Yeah, I can't can't get too complicated and have too many complicated things because I have to let the spirit of God lead and guide me. Because if I let Barbara mind, uh, 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 uh. I'm messing up big time, <laughs> and I can't do it. I need God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, Laura, I am going to find one and uh, make a dedication to you this morning. God bless you, honey bunny, and I uh, thank you so much for staying in touch with your God mom and checking on me and uh, all those kind of things. Yeah. So this one I'm going to play for you.
inspiring and encouraging you all day long. Jesus in the Morning Radio with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That is one beautiful melody right there, one beautiful song. Yeah, I love to hear it. And so we thank God this morning again for good gospel music. We thank God for all he has done. And uh, giving my goddaughter, Laura, a shout-out and play her dedication this morning. <laughs> yeah, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you. And so we're moving right along this morning. If no one have uh, anything else they would like to say, I will pray us out. And uh, I pray we the Lord bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I will... Um, Put those Bible questions out as soon as I'm done, Sister Dot. I get that done. And so we thank him, thank him, thank him. And uh, Exodus 16 and 13, you're going to read about them quails over there. And those, that's the only meat I think I saw as far as chicken go that they can eat. No birds. Yeah. But quails. Yeah. So I'm thinking that's considered a hen. Hallelujah. All right. Let's pray. And we're getting out a little bit early, and we pray he bring us back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Father God, we thank you for all that has been said and done. Thank you for Brother Jermaine stopping by. Father, I thank you that Brother Anthony always has something on his heart to say about you. I'm grateful unto you this morning for all you've done already, what you're doing right now, and what you're going to do. Great and mighty things for us. Father, bless every caller and every listener, those coming through the archives and the podcast. Father, bless their family and their friends, near and far even. Move by your spirit for these your people today. But Father, you know what they're standing in need of. And we know that with you, nothing is impossible. Again this morning, Father, bless your people. Send uncommon blessings their way. Lord, put satisfying smiles on their face. Give them joy like never before. In the name of Jesus. Father, we know, ah, we know that you're able to do it for us. And we trust you today. As we leave this morning, bless our going out. Father, bless our coming in. Again, meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. And Father, we ask all of this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and hallelujah. Father, we also ask that you would bless Brother Jermaine and this business that he <clears throat> he started to help others. Lord, move for him in a mighty way. You know what he his desire is. So, God, we ask that you would bless his family, bless his wife this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee. While we are absent, one from another, in the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace, share the good news of Jesus, and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you today, February the 7th. 2024 in Jesus name. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye. Have a blessed day. And we'll go to our last song of the morning. Um, All right, let's try this one.
Shut up. 